This is a CNA podcast. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. It's your COVID updates right here on Health Matters. Folks, welcome into the show once again. And this time around, let's talk about COVID-19 jabs that have been rolled out for your children aged between six months and four years old. This kicked off at the end of October and it's carrying on with very good, strong support, actually. And I want to learn more about what is happening for the little ones. What type of vaccine are they getting? Is it a different dose? If you're a parent that hasn't signed up for it just yet, what are your concerns? I've got your parent FAQs coming up as well. It's all about vaccination for young children on today's edition as I chat to Associate Professor Chong Chia Yin, who's a senior consultant out of the Infectious Disease Service from the Department of Pediatrics for KK Women's and Children's Hospital. Professor Chong, welcome aboard. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, so glad to have you on board. It's been a couple of weeks now that we've had this rollout happen already. I'm curious. Bottom line, I think the number one question for everybody is they think, oh, no, my kid doesn't need it. I mean, we're all protected. Everybody's living normally now, not wearing masks anymore. How safe and efficacious is it really for a young one between six months and four years old to actually have a COVID-19 vaccine? Okay, so the best protection we can give young children against COVID-19 is through vaccination. Vaccination helps protect young children from developing severe COVID-19 symptoms and complications, for example, myocarditis and multi-system inflammatory syndrome, also known as MISC. An unvaccinated child who is infected with COVID-19 would be at higher risk of developing myocarditis, which causes inflammation of the heart muscle, as compared to a vaccinated child. An unvaccinated child could also experience medium-term impact on her health if the COVID-19 infection is severe or if MISC develops. MISC is a condition where the child's immune system overreacts after COVID-19 infection, which is typically two to eight weeks later. This is a rare syndrome, but the child may require urgent care and even intensive care due to the development of various vital organs such as the heart, the lungs, the brain, the skin and the eyes. And patients with MISC can often become very sick, requiring intensive care support. So by comparison, the benefits of vaccination far outweigh the risk associated with contracting COVID-19. Professor, yeah. mm-hmm. for those unfamiliar with it, we have seen global rates of MISC for unvaccinated children. I mean, it is something that we've seen in the last couple of years. This is fairly new, I think, to a lot of parents. Mm-hmm. Yes. So MISC incidence rates is actually higher if they had COVID nineteen infection wow. as compared to the un, uh, as compared to the vaccinated children. Look at that. And so just like how we've been talking about for the general public when it comes to COVID-19 vaccination, that not only does it reduce your risk of contracting COVID-19, it lessens the severity of complications should they emerge. That applies here as well for the MISC, what we're talking about for the young ones, is Mm -hmm, it? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So the MISC is reduced if you're vaccinated as compared to being unvaccinated. And MISC patients can be very sick because they can require intensive care and they may even experience long-term cardiac complications. So important, so efficacious. How about the safety question? That's the one that I know a lot of parents are worried about because maybe they've taken the vaccine and they're like, oh, I had the side effects and it was very Mm -hmm. painful. I was at home for two days on MC. I don't want my child to go through that. So the side effects for children is less frequent as compared to adults. Mm. 
Okay, but some of the common side effects that you would expect would be things like fever for about in about 10 to 20 percent of the patients. They can also be a little bit irritable in the six months to two years old, and they can be a little bit more sleepy than usual. The older age group, the two to four years old, you may expect some fatigue in about 20% of patients. So these side effects are generally considered mild, and they will only last one or two days. Really? Why is it less for them? How come? Are they more resilient? What's going on? <laughs> uh, so we think it's because the dosage is lower uh. in children. Yeah. Most likely, and we'll talk about the dosages and which vaccine they're taking as well. But I'm curious, mm-hmm. ever since the rollout happened at the end of the uh, at the end of October, Professor Chong, what's the what's your take on the response to vaccination for this age group at this stage? I think the response is pretty good. I heard at one of the centers, I think it's Tampines, it's roughly about 100 children a day who are getting the vaccination. In terms of other side effects, the rollout has been a lot in the U.S. So mm. there have been more than 1.5 million children already vaccinated for this age group. And there are no safety concerns. So there are no uh, serious side effects, for example, myocarditis. So there are no myocarditis observed in this uh, rollout in the U.S. Good to know indeed. So what are we talking about in terms of the nature of the vaccine that kids are getting? Is it the, because we're, so I've signed up for my fourth shot and my fourth shot is mm. coming soon. And as we know, for everybody and my, my, my Adrian, this rollout for the adult is the bivalent vaccine that's happening. Mm-hmm. Is it same, same for the kids? No. So the bivalent vaccine right now, the Moderna vaccine has only been approved for above 18 years of age. That means 18 years and above. There is a new Pfizer bivalent vaccine that's coming up tentatively at the end of the year, which has been approved for age 12 years and above. So this age group, the six months to four years of age, they are going to get the Moderna pediatric vaccines, which is one quarter of their adult dose. And the other vaccine that's been approved, which is the Pfizer, it's not rolled out yet, it's not available yet, but possibly by the end of the year, that's three doses in total whereas the Moderna dose for this age group is only two doses. Ah, I see. Got it. Okay. And and so it's two doses, but lesser um, uh, quantity each dose for the kids, is it? How right. many shots, yeah, how many doses? Right. Walk us through the, the numbers. Okay, so for the Moderna primary series for this age group of six months to four years, it's two doses, 25 microgram, which is one quarter of the adult's. And it's two doses at eight weeks interval. The minimum interval is four weeks. And does it vary? Does that change across the age range? Because, I mean, this is quite a wide age range, right? From six months mm-hmm. up to four years old. Is it different for the younger, younger ones? The one closer no. to six months? No. Or same? So for this age group, it's two doses, 25 micrograms. Professor Chong, just a reiteration. I'm sure a lot of my listeners want to remember once again, specifically, what are we talking about? Remind them. A lot of questions coming in at my WhatsApp hotline. What's the brand of the vaccine that they have access to? And is there a choice? And what's the dosage and the schedule of vaccination again? Okay, so currently the brand that is available for the six months to under four years is the Moderna brand. And that's two doses about eight weeks apart. And that's also a minimum of four weeks. So between two, four to eight weeks. Mm. What may be available at the year end is the Pfizer brand, but that's three doses. Three doses for that different particular brand to get the yeah. full coverage. Yeah, that's right. Got it. And um, so it's a, it's a lower quantity than what the uh, older above fives are getting, yeah? 
Yeah, that's right. What about so, if yeah. the little one has had COVID recently? So if the little one has had COVID, you only need one dose of the vaccine three months later, counting from the time of infection, the date of infection, rather. Got it. So you know how it is nowadays, right? Like, we... We do it ourselves. Like not, not everybody goes to the doctor and gets it recorded into the medical healthcare system. Um, mm-hmm. If it's pre-vaccination, might that be a good idea maybe just to get it logged down in the health record so that you can keep track of the three-month nicely? Yeah, you could go to a GP to get the infection recorded. So that will be official. Yeah. So mm-hmm. w- one less dose, three months later uh, yeah. after recovery. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about some of the frequently asked questions and concerns that many parents might have um, about getting the vaccine for the little one. You've already talked to us about, interestingly, how the side effects might be a little bit less harsh than what Mm -hmm. some of the adults are experiencing as well. Mm. Uh, I'm curious, though, if they were to arise, some of the Mm. things that you mentioned, would it be a good idea to go and see a pediatrician or can you deal with these on your own at home? Okay, so some of the side effects, for example, injection site pain or even swelling, the parents can actually apply a cold compress, and that means having ice cubes and uh, enclose it within a towel and just press over the injection site. If the patient develops fever, then you can give paracetamol for the fever, and usually the fever only lasts about two to three days maximum. And if the side effects are persistent, then the parents or the caregivers can bring the child to consult a GP or even a pediatrician. That's right. And again, this would be symptomatic treatment potentially uh, to manage yes. that. So it could be paracetamol, syrup for the uh, fever and things like that. Mm-hmm. And also for pain. Here's the thing, because the, the difference is they can't tell you what they're experiencing. You know what I mean? It's so much harder with zero to six, uh, six months old to, to, to yes. four years old. So, I mean, I can imagine some parents being very concerned like, how do I monitor? So you're just looking out for crying, basically, and <laughs> fever. Oh, well, uh, the younger age group, because they cannot communicate well, you're looking for crying and irritability. And then you could have a look at the injection site. What does it look like? Is there any redness? Is there any swelling? And if the patient's irritable or crying, you could also check the temperature. The older age group, like above 12, when they're more verbal, they can actually tell you um, what they're experiencing. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know about this cold compress thing. Can we do that for adults as well? Does my does my injection yes. site get it does right? Sometimes we could try it. <laughs> yes, you can try that. I never noticed anything yet. We'll see after my first shot. Professor Chong, during this age range as well, there might be a whole host of other childhood vaccinations that are happening for the little one. We just heard in the news, for example, how globally we're potentially seeing problems of a lot of young ones missing their measles vaccinations around the world and how millions might be affected overseas. Thankfully, we've got our our vaccination program in place for the young ones. But I'm sure a lot of parents are like, wow, that's a lot of vaccines for a little kid to tolerate. Could the COVID vaccination interfere in the existing or pre-existing vaccination schedule? No, the COVID vaccine is on its own, so it will not interfere with the, with the uptake or the immune response to the other vaccines. The other thing is that usually we recommend that you space it out by about two weeks from the other vaccines so that the side effects can be distinguished from the other vaccines. However, if you cannot have that two-week interval, for example, because your child is traveling or you are traveling, then you can go to your child's doctor and ask for a medical memo to state the need for the vaccines to be given earlier. 
And one more thing is that influenza or flu is making a comeback this year. So we do recommend our children to get vaccinated against flu as well. Is it the same influenza vaccine for the zero for the six months to four years as well? So influenza vaccine is given from six months and above. So it's a separate vaccine from the COVID-19 vaccine. Mm-hmm. But is it the same as the adult one is what I mean? Yes, same. Ah, and low, lower dose though as well, potentially? or. So it depends on the brand. So some brands, they, they require a lower dose, but other brands, it's the same dose. Okay, so you've got your regular vaccination program going on. No problem. Space it out maybe by about two weeks so that you can distinguish between the symptoms. And why not, while you're at it, add in something and think about the idea of the influenza vaccine. Any others that are not on the program that maybe you'd want to consider? Your pneumococcal or, or any other meningitis, any other vaccines that you might want to consider at this time? So the pneumococcal vaccine is part of the National Childhood Immunization Schedule. Great. So that should be part of the normal schedule. The other alternative vaccine, if you're traveling to India, Pakistan, is the typhoid vaccine. But that's only for two years and above. Things to bear in uh, mind if you're traveling there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one last tip, because the child needs to be observed for about half an hour after the vaccination. So parents do prepare your child by bringing a toy or maybe a book or something to entertain the child during that half an hour of observation. Yeah, uh, Professor Chong, you know people will just bring the iPad, <laughs> right? And yeah. Can, okay. No, we have to minimize screen time. screen time if you are less than two years. Please. Yes, <laughs> there are recommendations on that for the below two years. Absolutely. Uh, Professor Charles, just before I let you go, there is, I mean, I've got about 45 seconds left. Remind my listeners who might still have some element of vaccine hesitancy for such the young children as well. What are your words, your thoughts about this? So the main purpose of the vaccine is to prevent serious or severe COVID-19 infection. And we want to avoid that because they can be hospitalized, they may end up in intensive care unit, etc., etc. One more thing about the COVID vaccine, we do advise no strenuous activities or exercise for two weeks after the vaccine. But we can allow the child to play in the playground, can even play in a swimming pool, but don't do laps. Okay, No excessive running, no excessive laps up and down in the swimming pool. So that's another tip. Professor Chong, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on the discussion. Associate Professor Chong Chia Yin there, who is Senior Consultant, Infectious Disease Service out of the Department of Pediatrics at KK Women's and Children's Hospital. If you want to listen to more Health Matters podcasts, head to cna.asia slash listen, scroll down to CNA 938 On Demand and click on Health Matters. I'm Daniel Martin. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.